Thank you for tuning into this week's message. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about your life change. So if you have a story about how God has made a move in your life or impacted your life in any way, send an email to amen at findvelocity.org. We hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Now let's lean in and enjoy the message. Man, I am so happy to be with you. I want to say welcome back to everybody who is joining us for maybe the first time in a long time. And if it's your first time here, I want to say welcome home. So whether you are connecting with us for the first time or first time in a long time, I'm just so glad to have you with us today. And I know there's many of you who are still joining us online and we're so glad to have you with us online as well. You know, what's so cool is, like, a lot of people have asked, man, what's it been like leading the church through this season, and how are things as you're going back into gathering? I just want to tell you, the truth is, we've grown during this season, and we've grown during this season. You think about it, um, prior to March 15th, that was the weekend that we stopped meeting in our venues. Prior to that, we just had two campuses. And now as we're going back into gathering, we have three campuses. We have our downtown location, our west location, and our online location. And so well, I just want to tell you that we recognize those of you who are joining us online. Uh, every week there's people who are connecting with us from all over the country and all over the world. And we're so glad to have you be part of our family. We want you to know that we see you, uh, that we consider you. Uh, part of our church, and so thankful to have you join with us. And we're even thinking about all the different ways that we can continue to offer and create community for those of you who are joining online as we uh, resume gathering in our buildings. And it's good to be in the building. Man, I'm glad to be here with you. And, you know, some of you might be watching online. I just want to encourage you, we're going to be doing this again at 11. I know it's not just people who've connected with us across the country, but those of you who've connected with us right here in Lawrence, and I would love to meet you in person. So you can still come to a service in person, be back here at 11 to bring the word of God. I'd love to meet you in the lobby. And one thing you can count on, uh, wherever you're at, if you're here or online, I'm always going to be challenging you to take a next step, to, to move forward with what God has for you. And so I, I just want to encourage you with that. I also want to just say thank you for your giving. Thank you for so many of you who continue to support this ministry and honor God with your tithes and offerings. It really does make a difference, and you are making an incredible difference in our city. I can't wait to share some cool things with you that are happening in our city later this month. And there's not a week that goes by that I don't hear from someone that we're helping, whether it's an agency, whether it's a missions partner, whether it's a person. And, uh, and of course, the, the greatest way that we help isn't just through the generosity of this church, but it's the lives that are changed every week in the services here and people who are coming to know Christ. And I just want to tell you a note on giving uh, to, to make a note of November 22nd. That is when we're going to be giving our big annual end of the year offering where we give over and above our tithe to support the ministry of this church and what God wants to do. And I'll just tell you a big portion of that this year is going to go to our new facility uh, that we're going to be closing on. Isn't that awesome? And so we're so pumped for that. And I'll talk to you more about that, but right now I would just ask that you would pray and not only ask God what he would have you do, but pray uh, that God does uh, what, what he can do. It's going to grow our faith, and I'm so excited about that. But if it's your first time back in church, I just want to recognize that, you know, it might feel a little bit different. You know, we're, we're all wearing masks. Uh, everybody is uh, socially distanced, and 
We're not doing a lot of hugs or handshakes. Truthfully, my wife said to me, she's like, I, I know eventually there's going to come a time where we're not doing masks and all that, but can we keep the social distancing? Like, can we just keep people not touching me? I would really appreciate that. And um, she, she's really into that. So there are some things that have changed, but can I tell you, Jesus is the same. Jesus is the same. We still have good news. We still have hope for the future. We still have a God who is worthy of praise and glory and honor. God still has a purpose. He has planned for your life. Jesus is still the same. And I'm excited for this season. I'm excited for what we're going to get into in this brand new series we're starting today called Kingdom Culture. And, and honestly, like, I, I think what we're going to talk about is bigger than just a series. I, I really want you to lean into this. I really want you to get this in your heart. I think what we're going to talk about, and I'm just setting it up today, but what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks, and I don't know how long we're going to go. I planned four weeks, but we might just go till the end of the year. I've got so much to say on this because this is the kind of thing, like I'll know I've been a success in getting this message to you if somebody comes out of this series with a neck tattoo, kingdom culture. Like that's how much you want this, just right here, just kingdom culture. You want to get this in your soul. You want to get it in your heart. It is going to change your paradigm. It is going to change the way you think. It is going to change the way you, you pray, change the way that you approach your problems, change the way that you respond to people. And to set this up, I want us to look today in the book of Matthew, because Matthew is really all about this theme, kingdom culture. Now, if you're new to church or new to the Bible, Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels, which means it's just an eyewitness account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And Matthew, the book of Matthew, was written by, you might have guessed it, a guy named Matthew, who was one of Jesus' disciples. And Matthew was so honed in on this idea of kingdom culture. It's interesting, when you read the book, the Gospel begins with Jesus' ministry he, he initiates the call of the kingdom. Later on, right after that, he gives the Sermon on the Mount, which illustrates the character of the kingdom. You see Jesus give parables, which, which illuminate the qualities of the kingdom. And the Last Supper, which happens at the end, and, and the cross and the resurrection, it establishes the kingdom. The, this kingdom culture is all throughout the book of Matthew. And what you find is in Scripture is that you cannot understand the life and ministry and mission of Jesus if you don't understand this concept of the kingdom. In fact, the word kingdom, it appears 162 times in the New Testament alone. A lot of times we think of kings and kingdoms being in the Old Testament. But the word kingdom appears in the New Testament 162 times, one-third of which happens in the book of Matthew. Matthew wants you to get this kingdom culture. And so I want us to look at this together, beginning in Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 12. This is going to be the start of this series, really just an introduction. And, and the context here is Jesus is beginning his ministry. He's been baptized by John, and immediately he is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he's tested, which is what every wilderness is, by the way. The wilderness is just a test. And if you have been feeling like you are in a wilderness, can I just tell you, it is simply preparation for what God has next. 
It is not to keep you from something. It is not something for you to get through. It is something for you to grow from. And once you pass the test, you are ready to move on to what's next. And that's what Jesus did. He passed the test and he steps into his calling. And this is where we're going to pick up the story. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Let's look at it together. It says, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. Up until this point, he had been in Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, right? And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first recorded words of Jesus announcing his ministry were, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I want to skip to verse 23. It says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Doesn't that sound like something that would be good for our nation right now, for our world right now? The gospel of the kingdom, which heals every disease and every affliction. Well, I want to use this passage, and particularly verse 17, where Jesus announced the kingdom of heaven is at hand to give you this sermon today. I'm titling this message, if you're taking notes, Heaven-Handed. Heaven-Handed. It's always my custom to pray. I want to just ask for God's help before we get into the preaching of his word. Would you bow your head with me and let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this opportunity. Thank you that we can gather. Thank you, Lord, for the preaching of your word. We know it changes lives. God, help me. Use me today. I ask that you will. And everybody who agrees with that can say in Jesus' name, amen. You know, my, my kids ask the most amazing questions. I have four children, a 13-year-old, 10-year-old, 9-year-old, and a 4-year-old, 14-year-old, sorry, and 9. I have four kids. I, you can, I, can't, be, I can't be kept, you know, with, with ages and stuff like that. Math and details. I think I have four kids. Do we have three? I have children. There, there's little people that run around my house, and they ask some of the most amazing questions they do. And by amazing, sometimes I mean amazingly annoying. Because it, it's, it's curious, you know, how, how they can come up with some of these things. Honestly, I have no idea how my parents did it before Alexa and Google. Because, like, my kids will ask me things that I legitimately don't know the answer to. And, and like, my youngest daughter, Pippa, she'll, she'll ask this question, like, you know, is it fall yet? I'm like, well, yes, it is fall. And she'll, she'll say, well, why is it called fall? And I'll say, because the leaves fall from the trees. And she's, well, why are there still leaves on the trees then if it's fall? I'm like, because it's a season and it's a process and it hasn't happened yet. Well, then why do they call it fall? I'm like, would you just shut up right now? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to explain this to you and, and you're just not... You're just not getting it. And it seems to be the case. I mean, any parents would know this. Your kids will just ask questions 
about why, and you have to explain it and explain it. And apparently, like, it, it, it comes to the point where you just want to say, like, because I told you so. Like, that's all you need to just is. It, it is the way it is. And you, you want to be heavy-handed in your answers sometimes when, when they don't get it, when things that are hard, when there's things that are hard to understand. And in some ways, like the kingdom of God, it's a concept that's, that's hard to understand. It can be hard to understand. In order for me to explain it to you, I, I want you to understand first what's happening in this text because when Jesus leaves Nazareth to set up his ministry in Capernaum, like it wouldn't have made a lot of sense on the surface. It wouldn't have made a lot of sense to establish this ministry, to establish this kingdom in a place that is completely insignificant, at least from a political perspective. It, it wasn't relevant at all. It, it was not the seat of industry or technolo technology or military power. In, in fact, Galilee, it would have been viewed with contempt by the surrounding peoples, by, by, by the neighboring communities and cities and regions. And, and the reason is, is because Capernaum was a melting pot of culture. It was incredibly diverse. You actually see it even in the text that we read where Isaiah prophesied Galilee of the nations. A light has dawned. People who walked in darkness have now seen a light. This place, Galilee of the Gentiles. Gentiles is simply a word used for people who are not Jews. Now that's intriguing because Galilee was a Jewish territory. Galilee was a place in northern Israel, but Isaiah prophesied years earlier, Galilee of the Gentiles, this place that would not be Jewish. That was Capernaum because it had all these different cultures and races and ethnicities in this tiny place. Now, the reason for that is because there were these two significant trade routes that crossed Galilee where it was right in the middle. And so this place that would have seemed completely insignificant, at least from a, a political standpoint, was extremely strategic if you wanted your news to reach a broad group, a broad section of people. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He, he comes on the scene, this place that Jews viewed with no culture, because they didn't have Jewish culture, this place that had every kind of culture in the world. He comes on the scene bringing a kingdom culture. He comes on the scene saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first recorded words of Jesus' ministry was his announcement of God's kingdom coming to earth. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, when we think of repent, like we might think of being remorseful for something that we did. And in some ways, you know, that might be a byproduct of repentance. But repentance literally means, in Scripture, as we read about it in the New Testament, it means to change your mind. It means to change your way of thinking. It means to change your approach. And that's exactly what a lot of us need to do when it comes to the kingdom. We need to change our approach. We need to change our mind, change our thoughts. We've had the wrong idea about Jesus. And because of this concept, this wrong concept, we're not actually approaching God at all. We're, we're staying at a distance because of how we think of Jesus and his kingdom. We've got this incorrect view. But look at verse 23 again. It says, he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming 
the gospel of the kingdom. What was it? He was healing every disease and every affliction among the people. See, the kingdom of God isn't heavy-handed. It's heaven-handed. The, the, the kingdom of God isn't burdensome. It's not heavy. It's not putting stuff on you. When Jesus comes with his kingdom, it is light. It is, it is bringing relief. It is bringing freedom. It is bringing help. It is bringing healing. It is bringing hope. The kingdom of God coming into your world will set you free. It, it, it'll bring ease. It'll bring relief. It'll bring peace to your heart. And God wants you to have it and experience it. But in order to receive it, you have to repent. It can't be received unless you repent. So I want to encourage you to change the way you think. That's what repent means. Change your thinking. Change what you think about God today. I don't know how you came in here, but maybe you could just come with an open hand and, and say, God, I want to receive what you have for me. Whatever thoughts I have that have been wrong, whatever way I've been approaching you or staying at a distance, maybe I haven't been approaching. I, I want to receive what you have for me. I want to change my thought process, change my approach. Repent, when you see it in the Old Testament, Hebrew, it means to turn. That's the literal translation, to turn. I couldn't help but thinking that today as we are returning to our buildings, returning to our venues, returning to our services, returning to our gatherings, that, that maybe in our returning, God wants us to repent and to turn away from some wrong thoughts and some wrong ideas and some wrong philosophies that we've had that have kept us, that aren't helping us, that have held us hostage and change our mind and turn to God. That was his message in Matthew 4, 17. Change your mind and receive the kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. I want you to receive it. And so what I want to do today for this message is really lay a foundation that is going to help you understand this kingdom culture, help you understand this concept. Because if you don't understand what Jesus is talking about, you try to read your Bible. You, you try to live th this life that God wants you to live. You are going to end up being frustrated because you're trying to live by a different standard. That's what it says. That's what Isaiah prophesied. These people who walked in darkness, now they've seen a light. Have you ever walked in the dark before? At, at our house, my wife, she has these, these bar stools that are in our kitchen and every single time, every time I walk past them, I stub my toe. I think they're demonic. I, I, I curse them in Jesus' name. Go away and flee. But every time I stub my toe, that's when you walk in darkness, you're bumping into stuff. You're injuring yourself. You're hurting. And you're wondering, why is this happening to me? It's because you haven't understood the kingdom. Jesus wants to bring this kingdom culture into your life. And if you live by these philosophies and thoughts of the world, you miss out on the privileges and the benefits of the kingdom and the life that Jesus came to give you. And the good news is, because Jesus came to reveal the kingdom, you can understand it. It doesn't have to be a mystery to you. You, you, you don't have to, to live in darkness or stay clueless about it. Now, admittedly, this concept of kingdom is a little foreign to us because we, we don't live in a kingdom. But I want to frame it up for you today 
by looking at three different aspects. And I think this is going to help you. So anytime you hear this phrase, the kingdom of God, you hear this phrase, which is all throughout the New Testament, the kingdom, this kingdom culture. I want to look at it through three aspects. And think of these three things. The kingdom of God is this. It's his power, it's his people, and it's his place. It's his power, his people, and his place. It's where his power, his people, and his place exist. Every time Jesus taught, he, he pointed to this. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom, the, the kingdom of heaven. He was pointing to the kingdom. He was teaching kingdom concepts. He was constantly changing mindsets and, and giving them the culture of the kingdom of God. He said, hey, this is the way God works. This is how the people of God are. This is what it's like where God is. His power, his people, and his place. And before we can go any further, I feel the need to point out to you the obvious. <laughs> and that is that every kingdom has a king. Every kingdom has a king. And in the kingdom of God, are you ready for this? It is not you. It's not. It's his power, his people, his place. Who is, who's he? Jesus is king. I hear you, Kanye. <laughs> Jesus is king. Thank you for helping us out with that. I, I just want you to get this because Jesus is more than just a baby being born by a virgin. He is more than just the savior of the world. That is awesome. I am thankful for that. He is more than just a teacher. I want you to know that Jesus is a king with a kingdom. And we got to get this because lots of times we keep Jesus in the crib or at the cross. We see him at Christmas and we see him at Easter. And we've got this picture of Jesus in the crib or the cross. But can I tell you, I am thankful that God came to earth. And I am thankful for the cross. Let's remember the crib. Let's celebrate the cross. But Let's celebrate the cross, but recognize the crown. you got to recognize the, the, the crown. I want you to know that Jesus is now seated in heavenly places, and this is what the gospel is about. It's not just the cross. He's a king with a kingdom. So let's talk about his power. I'm going to move through these quickly. Let's talk about his power. Here's the first one. When we're talking about his power, we're talking about God's way of doing things. It's the way that God works. It's how he operates. It's what he can do. And it's what he will do. Just like there is a king. In a kingdom, there's a government. There's the way that it operates. That There's a way that it functions. There are laws. There are principles. There are institutions. There is organization and order to it. And in God's kingdom, his government his way of doing things, his power is based on his thoughts and his ways. You know, it's a little foreign to us because we think about a democracy. I mean, in a democracy, like, there's room for debate. And I, I'm thankful for democracy. I'm glad we have that. That's awesome. You know, there's room for debate. I don't know if I like your ideas. Let's hear some other people's ideas. 
I don't know that you have all that. We need to hear from some other people. It's a great thing in our world, but that's not the way the kingdom works. The, the way the kingdom works is by recognizing that God's ways are above your ways. You see this all throughout Jesus' teaching. This is, at least think about the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous sermon. You can read about it in Matthew 5 through 7. Over and over again, what you see, Jesus would say, you've heard it said, but I say. I, I know you've heard this. I, I know this is what you've been taught. I, I know this is what you're used to. I know that this is what culture says, but I want to show you the way things work in the kingdom. Look, I, I, I know you've heard it said this way. Like when, when someone tries to hurt you, you know, resist it, retaliate, get back at them. But I want to tell you, when someone tries to hurt you, don't retaliate. Stand there and take it. You know, if someone wants to take something from you, don't resist it. Find out what it is, wrap it up, put a bow on it, and hand it over to them. You know, if someone tries to use you, instead of complaining about it, consider it an opportunity to practice the servant life that I've called you to. And you might say, man, that's not fair. I don't want to do that. I don't like that. That doesn't even make sense to me. Are you just saying, like, I'm just supposed to let people take advantage of me? And no, that's not, exact, that's not at all what this is talking about. I, I want you to understand that we're talking about God's power. This is not weakness. God's way of doing things is power. <laughs> and what kingdom culture challenges us to ask ourselves is how is your way working? How is that working for you? You know the, the way of culture. You know what you've heard. You know what's been said. Kingdom culture says you can't just judge things by what they look like. You know, culture will say i got to find out what's in it for me first. Kingdom will say, give, and it will be given unto you. Culture will say, you got to fight for what belongs to you. Kingdom will say, if you try to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you will lay your life down, you will find it and you will keep it. Culture will say, hey, just be good to those who are good to you. Kingdom says, I want you to love your enemies. I want you to pray for those who hurt you, use you, and abuse you. That's God's way of doing things. It's different than what you're used to. Seems strange on the surface, but that's why you got to repent. You got to change the way you think about this. You got to change your approach. It's His power. It might look small, but in the kingdom, Faith the size of a seed can move a mountain. This is kingdom culture. But the kingdom is also his people. It's not just power, it's his people. It's the power of God working in the people of God. That's the intention of scripture. Not just that you would change your mind, but that you would have a change in your allegiance. A change in your identity. That you are first and foremost a citizen of the kingdom of God. And when you're part of the kingdom of God, you live by a different law. I was thinking how, you know, in a kingdom, 
The citizens of a kingdom are called subjects. Subjects. Subject to the king. Subject just means under. To be, to be under. Under the king. It's not very popular right now. It's not, not very popular. They, they, this idea of submission or subjection. That you would subject yourself to someone else. Man, just that idea, that doesn't sound like a kingdom. For some people, that sounds like oppression. But I want to encourage you to put yourself under God's authority. To put yourself under heaven's hand. To put yourself under God's power. So you have to come under his power to overcome your problems. You have to get under his kingship to get over your issues. And everything that's happening in the world right now, I'm telling you, this could be the greatest season of your lifetime. That with everything happening, that you would subject yourself, that you would be subject to the king. Not this world, but his kingdom. That when you would be looking at a world that has limited resources and limited ability and all the limitations that are around you, that you could see the unlimited power and potential that God has and that he can do in you and through you. But it's not just you. See, it's not a kingdom with just one person. It's a people. A people. That's why there's no such thing as a solo Christian. And look, I'm so thankful for the season where we are reaching more people than ever before online, through online communities. We started an online campus, an online pastor, online groups. I am all about what we're doing online and how God is using it and reaching people. I am thankful for it. Clearly, the church is not a building. It's not. But as much as the church is not a building, can I be real clear with you? It is a gathering. The church is a gathering. It is individuals coming together, being connected, being joined in community. It functions by coming together. It's like a body, right? In, in order for it to work and function, it has to be connected. I was thinking about this just in regards to like last Last year, I was in Israel. I had the opportunity to go to Israel, and I was there for almost two weeks. It's a long time to be separated from my family, from my wife. And I'm so thankful for technology in that season. I mean, I was able to, I was able to FaceTime her. I, could, I felt connected. I knew what was happening in, in my kids' lives. I was able to feel close, even though I was miles and miles and miles away. Thankful for technology. I was able to share the experiences with her. It was awesome. I love it. But you know what? It's no substitute for being together. When I finally came back and saw her and we were in the same room, I was not thinking about how much I wanted to FaceTime her. I was thinking about we need some communion. You know, we, we, gotta, we, we need to worship together. I'm just trying to point out to you that you can't experience the kingdom of God in isolation. Because the kingdom of God is a people. It's a people. It's his people. His people coming together, but it's also a place. It's a place. A kingdom must have a territory. It's got to have a domain. It's the realm 
where God works. It's the place where he operates. You can't be a king over nothing. There has to be a place where there's not a kingdom. And of course, I mean, you could consider the kingdom of God like heaven, the kingdom of heaven. It's the place where God is. Or, or maybe you might think of it as, as the spiritual realm. And Revelation talks about how, how the kingdom of heaven will touch the kingdom, will touch the earth, and God's kingdom will cover the whole world. But the real question is, when we're talking about the place where Jesus is king, is, is he king over your heart? That's the place. Do you have heaven in your heart? Is the kingdom of God in you? You know, the reason that many of the Jews missed Jesus' message is because they expected the kingdom to come in a natural way. They looked for military power. They, they looked for a political structure. They saw Jesus. They saw heaven's hand. They saw what he was doing. But they thought the way it would come about would be a natural means. They, they thought it would be some kind of revolutionary. I don't want to stress to you that Jesus did come to rule and to reign. He, he, he came to set free those who are oppressed. And he did that. He does rule. And he does reign. And he did bring freedom. But the space that he wants to occupy is your heart. The place where he wants to rule is in you. The question isn't, is Jesus king? It's, is he king of your heart? Is he Lord of your life? And I want to tell you, friend, is he doesn't come in heavy-handed. He doesn't perform a hostile takeover. No, the, the way he comes in is for you to invite him. Thank you so much for joining us for this teaching at Velocity. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on more great messages, just like this one. If today's message impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others with the message of Jesus, go to findvelocity.org backslash give and you can partner with us financially. Thanks again for tuning in. Have an amazing week, Velocity. And remember, wherever you are, just keep moving forward.